Despite having two years and well over $30 million left on his contract, the small market Arizona Diamondbacks decided enough was enough and they DFA'd Madison Bumgarner. Is it a guy the Giants should take a look at for like the league minimum salary? I'm going to make a case as to why the answer is a resounding no. You are Locked On Giants, your daily San Francisco Giants podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. My name is Ben Kaspik, and on this show, we provide daily episodes Monday through Friday, talking about the San Francisco Giants in a way that's data-driven and rational, but also simple, passionate, and accessible to all. I'm a former contributor for the baseball statistics and analysis websites Beyond the Box Score and Rotographs. I've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, and I'm a lifelong fan. Thanks for making Locked on Giants your first listen every day. We're free and available wherever you get podcasts, including YouTube, so check us out there if you have not already, and please hit that subscribe button if you're watching on YouTube. And we have a lot to get into today was going to be a mailbag episode exclusively, and we still are going to get to a lot of mailbag questions, including if the Giants struggle this season, is Gabe Kapler's job on the line? But before we get into that, there's some breaking news here with Madison Bumgarner, of course, a total legend in San Francisco Giants history, one of the best postseason performers of all time, if not number one, single-handedly won them a World Series and really contributed in a major way to all three championship teams. Of course, the Giants let him go and he went to the D-backs and there was a lot of anger about that. And how could they let this happen? And it was a, what was it, a five-year, $85 million deal, which kind of sounded like it was not too absurd and too high. And yet, on this show, we've been podcasting about the Giants since 2015, like I said, and I advised against the Giants giving that kind of deal to Madison Bumgarner. And it turns out I was right. This is this turned out to be a disastrous deal for Arizona pretty much from start to finish. He just struggled all the way through, ends up He's made 69 starts with the D-backs, 363 in a third innings, and a 5.23 ERA. Peripherals are pretty much in line with that, a 5.18 fielding independent pitching, strikeout rate down, walk rate not great, home run rate, home runs have been a problem, 1.63 home runs per nine innings in his time with Arizona. And this season, it got off to an even worse start with through four starts, obviously small sample, but the strikeout rate down to just 11%. League average is over 20, like 22, 23. And he's at 11 right now and two home over two home runs per nine innings and ERA of over 10. It was just the end of the line. And it's not like the stuff is good, but the results just aren't there. He has just seen declining velocity. He's throwing an average of 89 and a half miles an hour on his fastball. And so I just want to set the record straight from my perspective. You can have a different perspective, but again, this is my show. And so I'm going to tell it like I see it and feel free to disagree. That's fine. But uh, he makes no sense for the San Francisco Giants. And I know there's just this commonly 
held kind of gut reaction that a lot of people have when a former legend of the Giants kind of breaks free that a lot of fans seems to think seem to think the Giants should go after this guy. Whereas I have the totally opposite perspective in that going after Madison Bumgarner right now would just be a huge mistake for so many different reasons. First and foremost, you might not believe this, but the Giants are trying to win right now. They're not in a rebuild. They're in a retool. You know, they're they're what they're trying to do. Some people ask about what is the future of this team? What is the direction of this team? They're trying to put out the most competitive team they can while waiting on some young impact talent to show up at the major league level and push them over the top. Sound like a familiar script? Baumgartner himself was a big part of that wave of young homegrown talent who showed up and made a huge difference and turned kind of a franchise that was stuck in the middle and searching for an identity into a team that started to win some championships. And so it wasn't just Bumgarner. Of course, it was Kane and then Lincecum and then Posey and Sandoval and Bumgarner. So it was a lot of different guys, but that's kind of where the Giants are at now. And I think they've done a better job than the previous regime in terms of kind of those seasons in between, like the post even towards the end of the Barry Bonds era, it was like Bonds and that's it. Whereas right now, the Giants have a team that if all goes right, as we saw in 2021, like they put a 107 win to get a team season together. And last year with so much that went wrong, they still were just an 81 an 81 team. It's not like they were, you know, 98 losses or something like that. And so Number one, the performance. I just would not expect the performance to be good. And I think people get a little carried away thinking, oh, the Giants have a good reputation for getting the most out of pitchers. And you're on the right track with that. They sure do have a reputation for that. But a large part of it is that they're targeting the right guys. They don't just pick up any old pitcher and make them good. It's that they pick up guys they think have the tools to be good if they can just make some adjustments. And at this stage of his career, Bumgarner does not look like that guy to me. And then the second reason is just let bygones be bygones. That era is over. Brandon Crawford is the last remaining piece of that era. And I think it is just time to rip off the Band-Aid and stop dreaming about the nostalgia of 2010, 12, and 14. We are literally almost a decade after the last World Series championship of those three. And so to just kind of try to grasp on to that era is a mistake for me. It is time to move forward. And so some people say, move him to the bullpen. Well, a guy who's throwing, I know sometimes velocity ticks up out of the bullpen, but he's throwing 89 and a half miles an hour on average. Also, the Giants have a bullpen full of deserving guys. You want to tell me, oh, DFA Tyler Rogers to bring up Madison Bumgarner. Well, that's hypocritical because uh, Tyler Rogers is... Taylor Rogers, I'm sorry, that's gonna I'm gonna make that mistake a lot over the next three years. Taylor Rogers has struggled in like a four-inning sample, although yesterday closed out the game and his last couple outings quietly have been good. But you're gonna tell me, oh, give up on the guy based on four innings, but give Bumgarner a chance, even though four years in Arizona, 
have been disastrous. That just doesn't make any sense at all. And also, Bumgarner himself, I'm not sure, would want to even come back. Because do you really want him to go out there and struggle and then get like DFA'd again by the Giants of all teams? It would just be humiliating. And also, what kind of connections at this point does he even have to the San Francisco Giants besides the fans and just the legacy? He's a forever Giant I don't think he's a Hall of Fame player. That might be a hot take to some, but I don't think he meets the criteria of being a Hall of Fame player. The postseason resume makes it interesting, but just kind of the regular season track record is far from Hall of Fame standards. Not to say he was bad, although he has been for quite a few years recently, but he was always a really good pitcher who became untouchable in October. But he, it's Bochi's not here anymore. Dave Rigetti, not the pitching coach anymore. Mark Gardner, not the you know bullpen coach anymore. Tim Flannery, not here anymore. Buster Posey, not here anymore. Who's here from when Bumgarner was here? It's basically Brandon Crawford, who's in the last year of his deal. So it just doesn't make any sense. And I understand we love Madison Bumgarner. He's going to hopefully get the treatment like at least what Sergio Romo got, where he gets to make his final appearance in the orange and black and get just a huge ovation. I mean, every time he came to town, even on an opposing division rival, standing ovations when he was introduced, when he came out to the mound, when he walked off the mound, classy, you know, showing by the fans. But the time is done. Like, let's just not live in the past. This team... They've got their own problems. They need to move forward and start winning some games. And by going to a guy who's done nothing but struggle for four years just for the like nostalgic purpose of it makes zero sense. And so Bumgarner, if they brought him back, it would be because they see something in him that the Diamondbacks didn't see that they can untap. I just don't think that's likely given just how poor the performance has been. And again, a small market team being willing to eat nearly $37 million just to get rid of you says kind of all you need to know. So coming up in just a minute, we'll move past Madison Bumgarner and get to some mailbag questions. Like I said, the first question is just going to get right into it. We're going to ask about is Gabe Kapler's job status uncertain next year if this year kind of continues to be what we saw in the first couple weeks of the 2023 season. So we will get into that question in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Something exciting is coming to Built.com on April 22nd. I don't have all the details yet, but the excitement is real and it's something you won't want to miss. If you know how Built works, they have the most incredible protein bars in the world and they do these amazing flavor drops with unreal flavors in limited quantity. So mark your calendars and head to Built.com on Saturday, April 22nd, that's coming up in two days here, to be one of the first to discover what all the hype is about. I can't wait to see what this new flavor is. Make sure to use promo code LOCKEDON15 and you will get 15% off your order. All right, as promised, we are going to get to some mailbag questions. After covering this Madison Bumgarner news, it's sad for him, but at the same time, the money is guaranteed. This man is rich for life and he... You know, he lives in Arizona, so it's not like he's got to now figure out where's he going to go live. Uh, He'll probably catch on somewhere. 
I would imagine that, you know, for some team, he makes some sense, but it's just not the San Francisco Giants, in my opinion. Like, it's a rebuilding team where he doesn't have a lot of history. They need some veteran presence on that team, some leadership for their pitching staff, although his attitude has been poor. I mean, to be frank, you know, it was somewhat entertaining when he was good and he was a member of your team. But if he was on the Dodgers pulling the kind of antics that he pulls to Giants players, you would hate this guy. I hate I'm, I'm just being brutally honest. And he was doing it again just the other night with Wilson Contreras. He just gets into it with hitters and he just has a he gets mad. I mean, the mad bum to a point where when you're struggling to it's just it's not going to be attractive for a lot of teams that worry about team chemistry almost maybe even more than ever before these days, or at least they are, you know, the analytics people are starting to understand that team chemistry matters. And so, I don't know, it's not like Bumgarner's a bad guy, but I think he gets mad when he's pitching, especially when things aren't going his way. Anyway, thanks again for making Lockdown Giants your first listen every day. For your second listen every day or tomorrow, check out the show when we're going to be talking about the Giants' upcoming matchup against the Mets. It is really important as they head home and start to face some good teams. The Giants play the Mets tonight at 645 Pacific, and they're going to be facing Kodai Senga, who they haven't seen before, coming over from Japan. He's got a special pitch called the Ghost Fork, has had some command issues, and it's going to be Sean Manaya on the mound. So the Giants need to start playing better because they're going to start playing some good teams. Catch every pitch on, of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Giants. So yes, getting now into some mailbag questions. The first one coming from Avinash, who says, if the if the Giants underperform this year, is Gabe's uh, Kapler's job status uncertain next year? So to be clear, he is under contract for next year. And so if, if his job status were to be uncertain for 2024, it would be them like firing him prior to the end of his contract. And so... Like, I could see a scenario where if they just have a miserable season, somebody's going to, you know, the pressure ratchets up and somebody kind of has to become the scapegoat. And it often is the manager. That being said, I don't think that's the most likely outcome, even if they have a down year. The way I see it, if the Giants have a down year this year, they're probably, somebody asked me in a recent mailbag, how aggressive are the Giants going to be promoting younger players. And I think if the Giants were to have just kind of so many things go wrong and end up 15, 20 games under 500, they would be aggressive promoting some guys. And you might see not only Casey Schmidt and Kyle Harrison, but also perhaps aggressive promotions of guys like Patrick Bailey and Luis Matos and even Marco Luciano. And so if that were to happen, and then a couple of those guys at least were to just show promising signs and look like potentially good major leaguers that would shift the perception a lot and get people excited about 2024 even if 2023 ended up being a bad year but i guess there's a scenario where they're like i said 15 20 games under 500 and those guys come up and they all struggle and if that happens then you start to think somebody has to take the fall at some point because 
last year was so disappointing and you know Farhan Zaidi keeps saying we expect to be a playoff team every year I wouldn't say that that was a reasonable expectation in 2019 or probably 2020 but starting in 2021 when of course they did make the playoffs they had the best record in the major leagues and certainly last year and now this year they're clear about it. They expect to make the playoffs every year. And right now they're six and 11. So six and 11 doesn't doom you, but it does put you in a little bit of a hole. And so long season to go. But like you said, if they underperform this year, is his job status uncertain? I think that's fair. I would, there's certainly like certainty is a strong word. He's under contract, but somebody might have to be a scapegoat if. Uh, they have a poor season. The next question comes from the White Cran, who says, if the Blake Sable experiment doesn't work out, are they allowed to trade him to try to get something in return, or do they have to cut him? Makes sense to try and get something rather than hand him over. And the answer to this is yes, they are allowed to trade him, but his Rule 5 status would continue to apply. And so... Uh, you know, like whoever took him on would be in the same position the Giants are in now, which is that he would have to be in the major leagues. And if they wanted to get him off the major league roster, they cannot option him. They would have to, you could also place them on waivers. I think that's actually the first step in the process. And if a team claims them, that team gets them and inherits that same Rule 5 status. But if they clear waivers, they then have to be offered back to the original team which is the Pirates. And I just wanted to use also this question to say there's two other possibilities. Number one, you're also allowed to trade with the Pirates themselves for the right to just like keep Blake Sable in your organization and essentially shed the Rule 5 status. So if they really like Sable enough and their catching depth is what it is right now, which is suddenly thin without Roberto Perez and without Austin Wins, who goes to the Dodgers and Perez out for the season. Suddenly it's Bart, who's had his struggles. Last year got sent down in the middle of the year. Sable, who's like really unproven as a major league catcher. And Gary Sanchez, who has had certainly ups and downs in his career and probably ends up on the major league roster sooner rather than later in my opinion but it's thin especially if you lose Blake Sable it's suddenly just Gary Sanchez and Joey Bart and what if there's an injury and so trading you know making a trade with the Pirates that allows you to option basically just shed the rule five status and just have Sable in your organization like a normal player who has minor league options and all that that is another possibility to look out for as well but what I am seeing is that Sable is not getting it done. Defensively, framing-wise, I think he's done a good job, but he's got three catcher's interference. He has made a really poor and costly route on a, on a ball in Detroit in the outfield. And then at the plate right now, he's just not hitting at all, and he's kind of an automatic strikeout right now. And so time is possibly running short for Sable, and I think I wouldn't be shocked to see Gary Sanchez in the not-too-distant future, kind of become that second catcher, especially when some outfielders come back. And Hanniger and Slater have started rehab assignments. And so Sable, it's kind of now or never. He really has to start performing. Otherwise, the 
time is going to run out, but don't rule out the possibility of working out a trade with the Pirates that allows them to keep Sable in their organization so that they have a little bit more catching depth, which they're going to need if they were to lose Sable on top of Roberto Perez and Austin wins. So anyway, the next question is more about the catcher position and also Marco Luciano and Patrick Bailey, who's had a really hot start to the season in AA. And so the catcher position is just always a work in progress. And we're going to get into the latest and where people stand in just a minute. But before we do, this episode is brought to you by eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to my garage and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, Confidence is the name of the game when you shop at eBay Motors. I have done it myself. The parts have fit and they've been exactly what I was looking for. Promise you that. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, again, you can find anything you need. You'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right. As promised, more questions and answers. There's also a lot of baseball activity to talk about today. I mean, the A's looks like they are finally nearing a resolution and then they're going to be leaving the Bay Area and going to Las Vegas. I haven't totally fully comprehended exactly what's going on, but that's Reading the tea leaves a little bit, it looks like that's going to happen and the A's are going to leave the Bay Area. And so that is a huge story. And, you know, one for Jason of Locked on A's to cover more than me, but it affects the whole Bay Area. And so I apologize to any of those who like the A's and want them in Oakland. But, man, I mean, they just that whole situation has been a mess for decades. And so to see some resolution one way or the other for me would be just kind of a good thing. Thanks again for making Locked on Giants your first listen today. The Giants play the Mets tonight at 645 Pacific. Catch every pitch of the Giants' hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app. Search Giants. And yeah, coming up on today's show, we'll be breaking down. Can the Giants beat a good team in the Mets? They struggled so much against these... uh, you know, mediocre at best teams with the Tigers and the Marlins, but that's baseball. Sometimes you struggle against bad teams and you you win against good teams. Giants are due for some positive performance and they were able to break through. If you want an analysis of yesterday's kind of breakthrough game for the Giants, check out yesterday's podcast. But, you know, I meant, I've mentioned this a bunch, but the Giants' run differential suggests that they should have a much better record than their actual record. And the Marlins, meanwhile, by the way, I mean, they've got a run differential. They've been outscored by 26 runs on the season. The Giants have been outscored by six. And yet the Giants are six and 11 and the Marlins are 10 and nine. That doesn't add up. And so the Giants, they're just due for some positivity and some wins. Let's see where the Mets are. The Mets are 12 and seven. Their run differential is plus 11. 
which has an expected record of 11 and 8. And so, hey, maybe due for you know a one-run loss or something like that. And so we'll see if Sean Manaya against Ghost Fork Kodai Senga uh, can get it done tonight. Hopefully they can. But getting into some more mailbag questions, K.M. McConnell says, is there any correlation between the performance of Patrick Bailey and Joey Bart's future with the team? Meaning, does one affect the other? Can David Villar and Casey Schmidt coexist on the left side of the infield, or does Villar need to move when Schmidt is ready? So these are obviously two separate questions, but I just want to mention, just kind of check in on Patrick Bailey and Joey Bart, both of whom having very interesting starts to the 2023 season. And for the same reason, they're both doing well. Patrick Bailey, who... I don't want to call it an aggressive promotion to double A, but he's had a up and down start to his Giants career in the minors. He was their first round draft pick in 2020. A lot of people criticized the pick. It didn't start out so well in his performance in the minors. This is also the same year they used the signing of Bailey, you know, the drafting of Bailey and then an underslot deal and spent that extra money to get Kyle Harrison. And so, and they also got Casey Schmidt in this draft. So when all is said and done, this could end up looking like a really good draft for the San Francisco Giants. It remains to be seen. But Bailey, again, up and down performance, struggled in high A in 2021, got demoted to low A where he tore it up and then went back to high A last year where he did pretty well and won the minor league gold glove at the catcher position and now promoted to double A to start this season where he's tearing it up. He's hitting 395. He's got a 452 on base and a 526 slugging. He just had a huge day yesterday. It's a 177 weighted runs created plus, meaning about 77% above average offense from a guy who won a gold glove at the catcher position. Now, gold gloves don't always mean everything, but by all accounts, they consider him one of the best, if not the best, defensive catchers in their organization. And so if this guy can be that, and by the way, he's a switch hitter. And so, you know, if Blake Sable doesn't work out as that, you like to have a lefty to pair with a Joey Bart or a Gary Sanchez. But, you know, the answer could be Patrick Bailey. And so right now, I think Bart is the safest of you know, Bart, Sable, and Gary Sanchez because of losing Austin Wins and losing Roberto Perez. And this is this is just an example of how things change throughout the course of the season. I wouldn't have said that a couple of weeks ago, but now that you've lost Perez and you've lost Austin Wins, Joey and Joey Bart is performing well. And I just like he's he seems like the game has slowed down for him to me. And you know, the numbers look small sample-ish. We're talking like 471 batting average on balls in play, which is unsustainably high. He hasn't hit for much power to speak of. So you're going to see the 333 batting average, but I see unsustainability to that. But it's just also too early for me to judge the numbers too much. Defensively, I thought he's done a really good job framing so far and just kind of being comfortable in his own skin, which is an important quality for a catcher to have because they're leading the pitchers as well. Importantly, the contact rate is a career high by a lot. 
He's making contact on about 75% of his swings. Coming into the year, he was at about 65% of his swings resulted in any kind of contact. So as a result, the strikeout rate is 26% compared to a career strikeout rate of 37%. So Bart has earned the right in his eight-game sample of this season to keep playing a lot. And if he can improve and become a quality player, that's a great development for the Giants. And so really your question was, is there any correlation between the performance of Bailey and Joey Bart's future with the team? I think in an ideal world, we'll see what happens with Gary Sanchez. We'll see what happens with Blake Sable, although I'm increasingly thinking like it's likely Sable does not stick based on just He's having kind of defensive issues at catcher and in left, and he's really not hitting and striking out a lot. Uh, that I think there's a correlation between Bailey and Sable. And if Sable struggles, it kind of increases the chance that they quickly move Bailey because he's dominating in you know what we consider the high minors right now in double A. And so he's he could be close, Patrick Bailey. And then, of course, you want to see what you have in Gary Sanchez, perhaps. And you might not make that move until you're kind of done with Sable. And so all of that probably, at least with Sable and with Sanchez, is going to take place in the next 10 days or so. So very much something to look out for. And then lastly, the question about VR and Schmidt. Well, these these things sometimes take care of themselves. And David VR has been going through big time struggles. And also Brandon Crawford has as well. And so, you know, I see openings. I see openings for Schmidt. Uh, to crack the team, whether it's as a replacement for VR, whether it's as Crawford sits at least against left-handed pitching, and that opens the door for Schmidt to at least get some exposure. So I see openings based on the the struggles, more so with Crawford. VR kind of up and down, sometimes struggling, sometimes doing well. But I see the door cracking open for Schmidt if he can just start to really perform in AAA. Anyway, that is all the time we have for today. Remember that the Giants take on the Mets at 645 Pacific, and they're going to be taking on a good team. And can they, you know, they lost against some bad teams. Can they turn it around and win against some good teams in this ghost fork from Kodai Senga, a pitch to look out for? Catch every pitch of the Giants hometown broadcast with SiriusXM on the SXM app, Search Giants. Thanks for making Locked on Giants your first listen today. Every dayers, tomorrow on the show, we will be breaking down this game. Giants versus Mets. Big one for the Giants. Can they win two in a row? I don't think they've won two in a row all season. It is past time for that. So we'll be back to, uh, tomorrow discussing that. Once again, my name's Ben Kaspik. Check me out on Twitter at Ben Kaspik, K-A-S-P-I-C-K. If you like this show, please consider rating it or leaving a review. It helps me out a lot. So thanks in advance. And thank you to everyone who's done so already. Can't wait to be with you again tomorrow. Thanks again for listening. You are now Locked on Giants.